Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. This is Julie Chrisley inviting you to listen to our podcast, Chrisley Confessions, on the Podcast One Network. Each week we play listener voicemails and offer advice, suggestions, and opinions based on our own life experiences. Also, listen in to get the latest updates on all things Chrisley. New episodes every Wednesday on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Hey everybody, welcome to Dr. Who Podcast. Again, we thank you for all the support and uh, do check out After Dark and don't forget the streaming shows. It's all at drdrew.com and keep the winds and the sails of the Corolla Pirate Ship. We have lots of great products that we uh, that support us and uh, please support them so we can keep doing this. Today, it is my distinct pre- pleasure to bring in Dr. Adolph Brown. Masterclass, Fostering Empathy, No Place for Hate. His also website is Doc Speaks, D-O-C Speaks. Twitter and Facebook at Doc Speaks and Instagram at Adolph Brown. Monsieur, welcome. Thank you for having me, Dr. It's a pleasure to see you, my friend. Uh, Dr. Brown and I have been uh, struggling together for a little while, uh, dealing with uh, the, the, the times we, in which we live. And uh, I, I want to <laughs> get into it even more with you. And by the way, he has uh, books including Championship Habits, Real Talk, Two Backpacks. Tell me about Two Backpacks. Well, two backpacks, Dr. Drew, is exactly kind of what we're talking about today. People, everybody has something that they're carrying that other people know nothing about. As you know, we always say in in the mental health world that you're only as sick as your secrets. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we show the first backpack, but that second backpack is carrying a whole bunch of things, a lot of things that we haven't resolved, that we haven't dealt with. And just like with small children, when we don't talk things out, you know, they still come out. So we have a lot of people that are carrying things and also bleeding on people who didn't cut them. I, I would argue that most of what's in that backpack, we don't even know. We haven't looked in there to check it out, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's, a, that's an excellent point. I, I, think, I think people know, kind of know what's in there, Dr. Drew. I, you know, there, there are hurts and pains that people initially feel but then they stuff them away yeah. so that no one, so that they can't feel it and, and, and no one else can know about it. Right. So we carry these things and, um, you know, it's true that, you know, to heal something, you have to reveal it. And are we talking about trauma primarily? Is that sort of mostly what's in well, that backpack? I, I, it, it, that book, uh, two backpacks actually talks about trauma. But we carry a lot more than trauma. You know, we also carry drama. <laughs> yeah. And I think oftentimes people don't know how to separate the two. But, you know, trauma is th- things that happen to us that are beyond our control. Yeah. Drama, you know, we either create it, associate with it, or allow it in our lives. Let me ask you, i got so many interesting questions for you today. Um, how are you doing, first of all? Everything good? You're making through this thing? You've been vaccinated? Yeah. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're dancing through the storm. Yeah. Um, you know, in life, you in a storm, coming out of a storm, or about to go in one. We we've had some personal storms. My my wife was recently diagnosed with stage two breast cancer, and um, my young daughter Dana um, has had her tenth brain surgery um, in response to a shunt 
that she's had since birth that's malfunctioned. But, you know, I tell people all the time, Dr. Drew, there's a difference between happiness and joy. You know, people incorrectly often say that happiness is an inside job, and that's not correct. Happiness is based on people, places, things, or events. Joy is really an acceptance of who you are, why you are, and how you are. So in essence, happiness says because of, joy says in spite of. Mm. So, in, so in spite of everything, I'm able to come here today and fellowship with you. And be joyous. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's a whole other topic I'll probably get into maybe today is the, the notion of happiness and how we uh, lost track of that too in this country, it seems like to me. And, and as, you, as you pointed out, it's so much embedded in other people and uh, we embed it in things and things we intake and anything but uh, yes. other people. Exactly. People are measuring it. To I mean, I, I see this toxic work, work culture right now whereby people are valuing themselves by how much they accomplish in a day, how much they can check off in their to-do list. And that's not happiness. Uh, I, I completely agree. And, and uh, I sort of break it down into hedonic happiness, which is sort of the you know, the uh, Yahoo part of happiness and eudaimonic happiness, which is essentially leading a good life, which is more nourishing and more sustaining and has all the health benefits. And uh, I, I, when I first started thinking about happiness, I was looking at the, some of the happiness literature and going, I don't think these guys even agree on what we're even talking about. Have they even figured out what happiness is or are they (laughs) defined it anywhere? Because I thought, because my, my original thought was, Damn, my heroin addicts are super happy when they get their first hit in the day, but I wouldn't call that happiness. I, that's a that's that's hedonic. Their hedonic tone is adjusted, but they are not happy people. They're not leading a good life. Right. Well, yeah. you know, I think we we miss out on the 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 human part of happiness, the basic connections. And as you would know, when they did the 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 rat um, playground, where rats were given. Uh, cocaine in a water bottle and by themselves they drink 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 until you know they died with other rats and other things to do they had the choice between the i guess the uh drugged water and, and the plane they didn't and when they did drink from the cocaine they didn't do as much so i think we forget that human connections just basic human connections is it's what it's all about. Yes. And I kind of hoped with this pandemic that this would kind of bring us at least back to that. But it's hard sometimes for us to think in a crisis. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. So, okay. So I thought of a couple things I want to talk about here with you. And the first is probably the easier of the two, which is I'm a little confused. I'm surprised, I guess, or astonished is maybe a, more accurate word at people who I've just noticed there's sort of two camps out there in the world right now. There's people that want to tell other people how to live their lives and people who are concerned about doing too much of that. Right. And then by the same token, it seems like there are a lot of people who sort of want, they, they like that direction from above. And, and I've, I've never really seen that before. It's very interesting to me. It, it's one thing to sort of all get together and say, okay, we're, we're collaborating on this. We're good citizens. We're all going to get together. We'll listen to our leaders. But there seems to be sort of a gratification that I've never really noticed before. I mean, it's all probably always been there. But I never noticed that there, there are people, some people are just sort of gratified by 
the ongoing crisis and the ongoing uh, sort of it feels to me authoritarian kind of directives. So what what do you think is going on there? Well, I, I think that actually kind of talks about that second backpack. So when we don't ad- address our rejections that we carry, whether subconscious or not, when we don't address those projections, they become, or excuse me, rejections, they become projections on other people. Interesting. And when I say, and when I say that, think about this, like I'm carrying stuff that's so heavy, Dr. Drew, that I don't have the coping capacity or strategies to deal with it. Doesn't mean that, you know, they're going to go away. And I will tell you this, hate is strangely seductive. So zealots from all stripes, when they can find something to connect that baggage they're carrying to, to, to something to get rid of it, you know, that's what I believe happens. I believe that I'm carrying the weight of the world. It hurts. I'm stressed. So if I can get with your cause and throw rocks, you know, that, that's cathartic. It may not be a healthy catharsis, but at least I'm getting out some of the stuff, angst that I have in me. I want to point out that Dr. Brown is also a psychoanalyst, so he knows from whence he speaks. Uh, but he's learned to he does a lot of coaching, so he's learned to do it in language that we can all kind of access. Yeah, the the and and I see so much of what you're describing in social media. That's where it's sort of done. That's where was this seems to be acted out. And it's funny to me. I've noticed also in recent months. Gary, pack me up on this. You don't have a mic anymore. Huh? Oh, sorry about that. Um, that that different social medias have different characters to them. In other words, like nothing seems worse than Twitter. Like that seems to be the most vitriolic, most hate filled. And I go over to Instagram, and that seems sort of supportive. And and then you go to TikTok, and that seems interesting and different and supportive. Well, Gary's going to give us YouTube comments. That's the worst. YouTube is the worst. Well, not the Gary says YouTube is the worst. I, that's not really been my experience. But I don't have a big YouTube following. To be fair, that's probably why. And but it's so interesting to me that there's different qualities to who's who's congregating in these different environments. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny that. Well, again, we'll have to find out as I grow the audiences. I, I'm I'm trying to figure out TikTok and YouTube. I want to see what happens when those grow. If I it ends up just like Twitter, which it might, it might. What do you think? Yeah, about that? I, I, well, I think that it's exactly as you say. When we don't. I think everyone's looking for an outlet yeah, and, and it's not necessarily an outlet where I want to be convinced. I want to be educated. I want to be informed. I want an outlet for my stuff for whatever I'm carrying. So it's kind of like if, if we're an angry bunch, then that's where I'm attracted to. Yeah. If we're, if we're a touchy feely kumbaya bunch, then that's, so, and, and I see that, and I tell you, in my travels, Dr. Drew, when I would sit beside various people on the airplanes and they would have, they were really passionate about something. Now, there would be people that would be able to actually articulate, hey, you know, I'm a passionate about this because this policy and this person has done that. But then you meet people who are passionate about things, and when you talk to them, they can't tell you why. Mm. They just know I'm just angry. <laughs> I've seen a lot of that. I've seen a lot of that. 
<laughs> yeah, a lot of that. In fact, people, some people have even been angry with me, and I and I go, why? And they'll say something completely f- like, like, where did you get that idea from? Where where did that come from? It's like let me let me try to straighten it out. It takes like thirty rounds to get them sort of straightened out again. Isn't that weird? Well, and, and, and well, and you're nice about it. Uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes I I can be a little uh, direct and say, uh, did your dad not hug you enough? I mean, but I mean, it, it, it's really uh, that's goes back to what they're carrying. Well, I, I actually, that's kind of where I, one of the places I wanted to go next. Did your dad hug you enough? Be, because, because <laughs> I want you to put on your psychoanalytic head for a second and explain to me if you can. In in, and I know these are sweeping generalizations and sort of constructs that may or may not be accurate, but I'm trying to understand the Trump phenomenon. And the Trump counter phenomenon—they they both seem they're they're related in some way. But let's just call it Trump derangement on on one side and Trump, what should we call it, Trump mania on the other, or something. And and I, thankfully, I sit between them, going, "What the what the hell's going on here? What is happening?" And so you tell well, me what what is yeah, your sense yeah, well, of what that is? Well, I, I think it's explained uh, in very basic terms of neuroscience. Hmm. I think the fact that our brain teaches us without our permission. We, and if you have a brain, which we all do, we have biases. The brain doesn't like to be wrong. So the brain constantly looks for things that already confirm what it, the information that it has. That's called confirmation biases. So when two people sit down with diametrically opposing views, unless they're present and intentional yeah. and purposeful in the debate, yeah. they're, o- they're only going to hear – information that they already have why has this gotten so much worse in the in the current times i mean we our brains have these crazy biases it's just how the operating system works all of a sudden that's what's in control i i just well, I, whenever yeah. we i can't talk about biases i just think about flat earthers and people like that who right. just really hard to argue with right and and, and what happens the, the larger your box the better you know, the brain gets over 400 billion messages a second. So the larger our box is, the more we've been exposed to. But the fact of the matter is, the smaller somebody's box, <laughs> the more they think they know. Uh-oh. And they're, and they're really Dunning certain Kruger. about those two things they know. <laughs> oh, boy. Dunning-Kruger effect. That's what that, where that comes That's from. Like, it, it, yeah. Uh, I, I've seen an awful lot. I feel like we're coming out of the Dunning-Kruger stuff, though. I've saw an awful lot of that for a long time. I, I kind of feel like. There's a little more humility right now. I I hope I don't know, but but here's the here's the more difficult topic, and I want you to help me with this because I think I understand it, but but I, I I maybe not, which is the the topic of white supremacy, and and correct me if I'm wrong, and straighten me out if I'm not getting this at any point, that people have to get kind of straight what the terminology, what they're meaning when they say this stuff. I think a lot of Caucasian people immediately think you're talking about skinheads and they think that's what they, and or, or groups you know some sort of tribes and and uh um cults and stuff i believe what we're talking about is sort of eurocentric white centric not fully empathic kind of thinking uh which exactly. when, when you when you have that if you just say that's what we're talking about how can you argue about that? Why, why don't we? Don't we all want to be more empathic? Isn't that sort of what we're trying to do here? Am I wrong? Right, or? but no, you're 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 correct. But you know, the issue is what you said earlier. Uh, how are we operationalizing these things and making sure that we're all operating from the same definition? 
white supremacy in a nutshell is having an ideology that white individuals are more superior than everyone else. But look, I'm going to stop Not you. Just the ideology. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to say because ideology s- s- implies that there's a well thought out idea. Sometimes it's just a perspective. You're not even aware you have. Right. 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 Yeah. So it's more to this. Yes, yeah, more to it. So you yeah. have you have the idea that white people are more superior than everyone else, but if the idea in and of itself isn't enough. Then you also have to have the resources and the wherewithal to behave in such a way to bring that to pass or to reinforce it. Re- reinforce the supremacy or re- reinforce doing get it? the idea the, the supremacy okay, the okay, ideology okay, of it. Okay. So so that that's that the piece that a lot of people miss is tell, tell, I, I'm already thinking. missing it. Tell tell me again more. What what do you you need sort of a structure to to reinforce it? Is that what we're saying? No. My, Power and influence, resources, resources to reinforce it, and and would and would we say that those resources and I don't know what else to call it except structure is a, an anachronism of history? Yes, so it's just yes. something that sort structure. of it's just sort of come down to us, and we were not paying attention, and here it is. It's with us. Exactly. Okay. Because that, be that's another from, thing. I think people feel guilty and responsible. And like, well, I didn't do it. You know, it's not, I didn't, that, that, that's not the point, right? Right. Yeah. So, and, and it's not a blaming thing. I, I think it's more or less of an awareness. And, and it's an awareness, at least where I'm from, is that with that, with that awareness, we can be more empathic towards one another. Right. That's it. That that to me that's that's the that's the, the core issue, yeah. I try to uh, Gary. I try to bring Mr. Corolla. You've heard me try to bring him around about this. He gets he gets all angry with me because I, he I think he keeps hearing the skinhead thing. Right? Am I right about that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he doesn't he he doesn't believe me that that people don't mean skinheads. Uh, no. Yeah. Right. And and that's the that is until we get that all straightened out, people are going to continue to conflict because they're they're talking about two different things. And, Definitely, and that really bothers me. I, I at first was thinking we need to have a new vocabulary word, like we shouldn't call it white supremacy. But I kind of like keeping it there because Frederick Douglass used the words so beautifully, and and I want to draw a direct line back to his oratory, uh, and and it was his words that caused my scales to fall from my eyes to go, oh, oh, that's what you're talking about, God. Of course, yeah, I get it. Uh, but you need somebody like that. You need those incredible words that uh, more people should be exposed to. Definitely, and again, exposure, mm. exposure. Con- I mean, I contact. think that, that that's a big part of of uh, contact theory. Yeah, you know, Gordon Alport says that the way that we relate better to one another is meeting people who are different from yourselves in safe environments. Ooh, so that's an I mean, important point piece. Yeah, the safe environment. Point, point. I not, I was not aware that the safe environment qualifier was in there, but I can see why that's important. And that's his book, Contact. Right? His book was just called Contact. <laughs> yeah, and, and I was giving a lecture to um, a group of uh, OCD patients, like like two thousand of them, like a huge room. It was this this great group called OCD Internet IOS. Mm, International Society, International Order, International Federation, IFOCD, I think it's called. Look it up for me, Gary. IOFCD. Um. International OCD Foundation. IOCD, 
IOCDF, that's what it is, uh, International OCD Foundation, IOCDF. And really amazing organization with amazing resources for the patients, very supportive. And I was giving them a lecture on stigma. And I, you know, I, I broke it all down for myself and studied it for a while. And finally, I just said that the issue is contact. I did. I said, that's it. You have to go out there and put, put your contact other people and let them see and understand and experience your disorder. Otherwise, it, right. I, I think it, there's a weird thing, I think. In, the human brain has got this very weird glitch in it, right? It's a glitch. And I think one of the places I find it uh, most evident in, is in something called the Uncanny Valley. Have you ever heard of the Uncanny Valley? No, no, tell me about that. Uh, it's 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 robot literature. It's it's robot stuff. So, in robot uh, uh, sciences, the more you make a robot look human and humanoid, the more we like them. We like them more and more and more until they get right at the edge of really looking human, and then we are disgusted. We hate them. So if they if they're if they're really too close to human, we we can't stand to be around them, and and I think that has something to do with certain psychopathologies that th- these look human to me, but I, the behavior doesn't look human to me, and therefore oh, I got to pull back. It's like it's like a human, but it's not. <gasps> what is that? And contact would of course overcome that if you just came to understand. Yeah, as you as I as clinicians, we see it all the time. Right. No right. big deal. But to somebody looking at somebody gesticulating and psychotic on the street, that looks kind of other to them. And I think the uncanny valley figures into a lot of stuff with humans in subtle ways. Well, you know, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has a T-shirt right now, and I really, really love it. The T-shirt is a uh, photo of Kareem and Bruce Lee. And the caption says, make a friend who doesn't look like you. Mm. And I don't think that I could say it any simpler or, or demonstrate or illustrate it any simpler. Uh, Kareem, I mean, they're, they're different in so many ways. Uh, Kareem is seven foot tall. That's it. <laughs> Gary just handed it to grab, me. Grab my uh, sweatshirt for me. Oh, it's, it's a very cool shirt. Yeah, you've got <laughs> one. Cool? You've got one. Of your... yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, but, but now, now let's, let's kind of drill into that a little bit because in in where are you right now? You're like in Maryland? No, Virginia Beach. Virginia. Virginia. Okay. Virginia Beach. Nice. Uh, and 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 in this part of the country, you couldn't navigate without having friends that don't look like you. There it is. Nice. That's <laughs> pretty cool shirt. <laughs> so so <laughs> But but in this part of the country, you you I mean we are a polyglot here. I mean it's it, nobody looks like anybody. It's just it's just Southern California is just this huge mix, and there and there's some segregations of stuff. But I mean you couldn't you couldn't navigate here if you tried even if you tried to hang out with people that just look like you. But but that's unique to New York City and Los Angeles and maybe San Francisco. So it it feels to us like us out here like. What are you talking about? How could I, I look like me? I, nobody looks like me. I don't, I don't know who looks like me. Um, but a lot of the country, that's not true. Right. I mean, and I, I personally think diversity is a given. I mean, it, uh, you know, I eight kids that are from the same household, all of them are uniquely different. Mm-hmm. So diversity is in everything. Inclusion, on the other hand, is a choice. That's that's where the conversation should go. Define that for me. You know, the, inclusion. So, inclusion is not just 
saying, you know, I have someone who's different in my workspace. I have someone who's different uh, collaborating with me. I have a friend who's different. Inclusion, true healthy inclusion means I welcome people who are different. I support them. I encourage them to be in this space with me. So it's like an ally, sort of the ally exactly. concept a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get that. And and while that's easy, again, that's easy out here, I think. I, I, I find it easy. But but I would imagine if you live in the middle of the country, it's going to be like, hmm. I remember, Gary, a Loveline call we had years ago. It's flashing on right now. This kid calls up. He's from Ohio. And he goes, uh, my girlfriend just broke up with me. She was the greatest relationship I ever had. She was sweet and lovely and all these good things. And she was Chinese. And he goes, where will I ever find another one, <laughs> another Chinese person? I was like, I was like, we were like, what? It's like, come out here, come to California. We got lots of. Uh, it, was, it was just so funny to me that that it was so foreign to him that he'd had this relationship with an Asian individual. It's like, and and out here, you you barely notice who's Asian, who's not. It's like, it's just, it's you know, we're the Pacific Rim. Oh, yeah. Here. Well, there, there are parts of the country, Doctor Drew, that I visit where literally there are people in the audience who will tell me that I'm the first black person that they've talked to. That is crazy to me. That is so crazy. And, and what's interesting is I don't think that it's where they don't want to talk to people who are different from them. I think their community is such that they, they live in a vacuum. They don't have the opportunity. You know? Yeah. They don't have the opportunity. Exactly. And, and then exactly. again, back to what we were saying earlier about the supremacy thing, the perspective taking, you're just in it. You don't realize your perspective is affected by that. You're just you're just in it. it. You're there. Heidegger used to think real philosophize a lot about this, uh, the being in the world and how familiarity shaped everything. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. So so okay, so we're drilling. I want to drill a little more into the the white supremacy thing and the and the, the difference issue. I had a train of thought. I, my, well, I, can, you know, I tell I, you something. I, I, my I COVID something. is COVID has messed me up a little bit. I assure you. I've been uh, cheering for you and praying. For I appreciate you. it. But you watch, watch me. Here's what I want you to do: is if I transpose words and I'm not aware of it, I want you to pay attention and <laughs> let me know. But train of thought and you know, uh, focus, uh, attentionality on on stuff is is not right. But but back to white supremacy thing and, and and doing the straight line back to to Frederick Douglass. He he had a way of talking about this that was very accessible. I think he he just he he sort of invited or asked people to think about things from a different perspective. And and for me, where he really just opened my eyes quite literally was the way he talked about Abraham Lincoln because it was interesting. He goes, you know, this this man had some racist tendencies. We kind of straightened those out. He became my friend. He was a great man. He was not in. Fa- he was not representing the black man. He did not represent. He would have. And he essentially said. He said he's a white supremacist. He said those words out loud, and I was like, "What?" I, my Abraham Lincoln. I was all upset about it, but I kept reading. <laughs> and and uh, he said, "Look, the, he was. He would have um, forsaken the entire black community if it meant saving the the union. That was his priority." And and then I had another conversation with uh, someone yesterday where uh, he was defending the whatever the compromise was in the Constitution that you know, slaves were one-third human or whatever it was. And he was like, no, no, they had to do that. They were compromising because they didn't want slaves to exist. And I, and I said, no, 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 that's your perspective. 
here's somebody else's perspective. They went there. They went there. They did that. They felt okay doing that. You you got to think of the other side perspective. Yeah, it was a compromise. Yes, they were trying to 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 uh, slow the spread of slavery, but they they did that. They went there. That was a, that was an acceptable place to go for them. And you have to kind of you, you got to always think. You got to always feel like what's what's going on in somebody else's perspective on on any given moment. Well, you're talking about the behavior. I mean, so so the ideology is one thing, but remember the behavior. They went there. They yeah. didn't think about it. They didn't just write it. It was actually a practice, mm-hmm. a, uh, something that people did. And, you know, Dr. Drew is so subtle today in, in things that people talk about. Uh, an author that writes quite a lot, a bit about this or did write about this, uh, James Baldwin. Yeah. And some of the things that they would say that you could actually see white supremacy and action in our society today. That if you were to look at um, anyone that had a photo, not a photo, but a, but a painting of Christ, Jesus Christ, what would that photo look like? If you described it, what would it look like? A white guy with long hair, skinny, and a couple of wounds. <laughs> <laughs> Undernourished. <laughs> and a beard, and a beard. So, so um, in, in that people would argue would diametrically oppose the description of Christ in the Bible, hair like wool, skin like bronze. So these kind of things are in the structure. These things are archetypes, as you said, that are passed down and, and, and people have accepted them without necessarily being aware yes, of them. That's right. I, th- I think that's the piece because I, because I think people feel guilty and they don't want to be blamed. And I, and I think it's important to go, no, 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 this is, this is given to you. This is not something you created. This is exactly. over. And now given we're asking, and we're just asking you to think about it. Think about it. That's it. And, and when we're asking people to think Dr. Drew, I mean, <laughs> the brain wasn't designed to help us to think it was actually designed for shortcuts to help us not to have to think. So I've yet to be on a platform other than yours where I think we're, we're separating thoughts from emotions. Any, any panel I go on, any talk show, you know, it's, it's just overlaid with emotion. Yeah. You may be surprised to learn that health insurance doesn't always cover the full cost of an emergency medical flight. Even when you have comprehensive coverage, you can still get hit with substantial deductibles and co-pays. Protect your family and your finances with an Air MedCare Network membership. As a member, if an emergency arises, the expense of air medical transport is completely covered when flown by an AMCN provider. Membership costs as little as $85 a year and covers your entire household every day, even when you're away from home. That's just pennies a day. We all know that the unexpected can happen. An AMCN membership is protection no family should be without. For a limited time, as a Dr. Drew listener, you'll get up to a $50 e-gift card when you join. Simply visit airmedcarenetwork.com, airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash Drew and use offer code Drew.
The Dr. Drew Podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy and in May's Mental Health Awareness Month. And throughout June, Dr. Drew Podcast is proud to join the cause of destigmatizing mental health and destigmatizing treatment. You know I'm I'm a big on this. If you are struggling with any mental health symptoms, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And the service is available for clients worldwide. Log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You can schedule weekly video, phone, even live chat sessions. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. But the services they offer are excellent. I've referred family, I've referred patients, and in this day of lockdown, the access through electronic media is something we're all used to. BetterHelp. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're now recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Our listeners get 10% off their first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com slash drew. That's betterhelp.com slash drew. Wouldn't it be great if there was a pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep, focus, feel better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can give you all and more. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. It's the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions their members, including myself, swear by. And Headspace even has morning meditations for your kids. You can do it with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, increase well-being. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice and mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash drew. That is headspace, H-E-A-D-S-P-A-C-E dot com slash drew for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash drew today. Well, if you've ever said you're going to go with your gut, it's not just a saying. Your gut really is connected to your brain. And signals pass back and forth, of course, between our body and our brain. It's where feelings come from. Unfortunately, 74% of Americans are suffering from digestive problems. They have symptoms like gas, bloating, pain. It's a sign that your microbiome may be out of balance, and perhaps that might be affecting the gut-brain connection. This may be bad news because there are some theories that suggest that the gut issues may affect mood and happiness. 90% of your serotonin is created in the gut after all. If your gut bacteria is out of balance, it could disrupt normal production and cycling of serotonin. Good news, though, if you rebalance your gut microbiome, you may start to feel better. Uh, even better, this doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out process. You can change your gut microbiome and start feeling better in as little as 72 hours. Our friends at Bioptimizers have developed an exciting new formula that combines cutting-edge nutrition that you would normally find in two separate products. This breakthrough formula combines powerful probiotics and prebiotics. That's right, you need a prebiotic for the probiotic to work on. Restores balance in the colon and small bowel. Plus 17 nootropic and adaptogenic brain herbs in hopes of enhancing mood, hopefully managing stress, and perhaps even improving memory. It's an all-in-one formula, Cognibiotics. 
and it's the perfect solution for supporting your gut microbiome. Brain health, mental health as well. Oh, and here's the best part. Cognibiotics comes with a full one-year guarantee, so I encourage you to try it risk-free and see if it works for you. Go to Cognibiotics.com slash Drew and use Dr. Drew 10 to receive 10% off any order. That's Cognibiotics, C-O-G-N-I-B-I-O-T-I-C-S dot com slash Drew. Yeah, let, let's drill into that even a little bit because uh, because it's, it's you and I, man. We got to, we got to, we can talk about this stuff, so we got to bring it up. We got to bring it out. Um, uh Whenever we talk about, for instance, uh, police and and African Americans, black people, I think that's another place where emotions break out on both sides, right? And, and, I agree. And and the and the emotions, the emotional content is so different on each side. On on one side, I can really I can really only speak to the I, I should only speak to the, the white side. What I think I'm seeing, and you tell me what what black folk are experiencing. All right, we'll we'll just give that perspective. I think. I think white people are scared. I think they're. I think it's out of fear that they imagine losing um, the, a structure to their society that would that would helps protect helps protect you know everybody, including African Americans, everybody. Um, and so they immediately get defensive in, in terms of somebody changing that institution that helps keep them safe. It's fear. It's fear based. Tell me what uh, what a black folk is, is experiencing. Well, Doctor Drew, I, I was screaming about this thirty years ago. If you would have your uh, person on set today, Google African American males' perception of law enforcement. Yeah. Well, we talked about this a little bit that's, last time. Yeah. Let's keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that's my dissertation. Yeah. And so the reason I did that, and it wasn't paper and pencil, it was a physiological activity. Um, and the reason being was because it needed to be addressed. There were people were taking sides. And it wasn't necessarily about the size that I was interested in. I wanted to explore the dynamic to help everyone understand to do something about it. So over 30 years ago, I did that. And since, you know, I've maybe educated 200 plus police precincts on the issue. And what did we find again? We found the empathy gap. Mm-hmm. That that's, that's what existed. Yeah. And the empathy gap is that space that's created when I allow my brain to tell me about Dr. Drew yeah. and Dr. Drew allows whatever bio he has on me to tell yeah. you about me. Yeah. And so, so we're relying too heavily on the brain as opposed to experiences. Yeah. And when people lack those experiences, again, contact, we're coming right back to the same things. When we, we don't have that contact, then the brain is only going to hold on to the information it thinks is correct. And you know how hard it is to change a position. If the brain gets it, Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's really challenging to change that. A person really has to kind of get out of their comfort zone to go beyond that. So, so is it about educating police that, that uh, black men have this huge autonomic reaction? They get a sympathetic surge. Does that help raising that awareness? No, it's, 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 it's both. It's educating African-American males as well as law enforcement. So both this is sides. a bridge. Yeah, the, the, yeah this, is a, this is a bridge. This isn't one side is worse than the other. It's understanding what both bring to the equation. So that, that autonomic reaction that happens in African-American males, they need to know that that happens. 
they need to know that when I say put your hands up or put your hands behind you or I grab you, um, the initial bodily reaction isn't to comply. I may want to comply, but what do we all do when we're touched? Well, I mean, yeah, you pull back. Yeah. But, but not only that, though, if you believe your life is threatened in that moment, what, what do you that, expect? Exactly. Exactly. And is that something we could begin to help uh, black children understand, you know, sort of accommodate if, if indeed the cops are willing well, to? Yeah. Well, Dr. Dr. Drew, there's something that's quite familiar in the black community, and it's called the talk. Yeah. The talk is basically explaining to black children who law enforcement, who they are, but also how to survive in an in exchange or an encounter with law enforcement. And it's, a, and it's one that really shows and demonstrates respect for law enforcement, whereby parents tell their children to put both hands on the steering wheel, whereby law enforcement can see your hands at all times where it says to make eye contact, where it says that if I need to reach for something, I say, may I reach in my glove compartment for my registration? So these are things that have been taught um, long before these days. Mm. That was taught in my grandfather's era. You know, he was one of the first people to talk to me about it. Um, And, you know, long before computers (laughs) and, and, and social media, he would tell me how to remain safe. But I, I would think that there's, 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 I don't know that it's so explicit in, in amongst the Caucasian, but there is sort of that same kind of, yeah. You know, Gary says he got that talk. You, usually, when you're a teenager, they go, "Hey, if you get pulled over, you listen to those cops. You do what they tell you." That's sort of we keep it straight. Um, and yet, I I was manhandled by cops several times, several times. But but I but I didn't walk away thinking cops are bad. I walked away thinking that cop's having a bad day. Because yeah, he really, that was not, that was not right. Well, you know. Well, well, that's that's a that's a humbling, you know, assertion for you. I try to get people when they interact with people that when things don't go the way they think they should go, to ask themselves, what might I be wrong about? Mm. What might I, and and imagine how many people can 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 do that? You know, most of the audiences love that phrase except when I talk to the American Medical Association, surgeons come up to me afterwards and say, I can never be wrong. Oh, or, interesting. Or I'll, I was faculty once with the National Council of Juvenile and Family Court Judges. Th- that was a group that had a problem with that assertion. What might I be wrong about? The issue is, you know, the two of the most humbling things that we can do as human beings, self-reflection and self-correction. Yeah. How often do we do either? We, we, I mean, we ha- you ha- how else do you grow? How else do you learn? Uh, it's it's so it's again. This is all astonishing territory to, for me that people don't want to. <laughs> and and now we, you know, in the COVID thing, people were like accusing people of lying for being wrong. It's like they you lied. It's like Fauci did not lie. He just got it wrong. He 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 based it on his right. previous priors. He's got Bayesian reasoning. And he, before this uh, outbreak, we knew that viruses were spread on your hands. So we didn't want you taking your hands to your face and messing right. around with a mask. And it right. made perfect sense at the time. And then we learned something other. He updated his priors very quickly and went move on. Well, that's, that's best practices. Yeah. So, so best practices in any field yeah. change. Yeah. That's why people get ter- are terminated when 
you know, they, they're hired in the 70s and they're still practicing or say for teaching profession, they're still teaching with that pedagogy or that theory. Right. When in fact, there's been more research on how to do it more efficiently and more effectively. Things move along. They move on. We got to exactly. update your priors and not because you're a liar, not because you got it wrong. No. Even if you did get it wrong, say Say it, move on. Okay, got that one wrong. (laughs) You can't function at a high level professionally and not get some stuff wrong. I'm surprised at the surgeons. Because usually in my training of physicians, I always tell them to prepare to get things wrong, but you better have a backup plan. And if you don't have a backup plan, then I'm going to crush you. Then I'm going to have some words (laughs) for you. Uh, So you make your choices, defend them, show me the literature. Doesn't work. Cool. Let's get the backup plan in. So, and have That's a good right. reason for that too. So, what what does stuff keep you awake at night these days? Are there things that you worry about? It does. Um, I, I often think about the fact that we don't have as many critical thinkers. Yeah, that's, I'm with you. I, I think. I think. I mean, I saw someone recently, and they said science is BS. Oh boy. Science is BS. I don't believe in anything, whatever. However, the reason I saw this person, I was actually sitting near them at one of my wife's breast cancer appointments. So the person was getting treatment for breast cancer, but they didn't believe in science. Right. So of course that wasn't the time, you know, those are conversations I'll wait to have with Dr. Drew. <laughs> but <laughs> how well, how would you say that? How would you approach that with somebody? Because because to me that's again that's back to like talking to flat earthers. It's how how when somebody has a worldview that causes them to arrive at a really destructive conclusion. How do we get them back into our world? Well, you you almost have you have to join them initially. Initially, I mean, kind of you you seek into their argument things that you agree with first. Got it. So that's that's kind of where I go. Okay, I hear you. Okay, okay. So yeah, that that would make sense. Yeah. That would make okay. I got you. And then I go. Have you considered this? Uh, what about this? Because, a, wait, let me ask some of this. I I always thought my strategy might be after. I love your strategy of getting acknowledging their their truths, but then going. Gosh, if that were true, I'd have to change X vision of the world for me. And I've triggered. You know, for instance. Calculus would stop working, or, or you know, or, or bi- my understanding of biology would suddenly be, and you know, something I've done my whole life to have to be completely wrong. How how, how would I deal with that? Or is that you know, well, well, wonderment? You know, that's a, that's a, well, that's the issue that we're having having these conversations today. So if I would say kind of what you just said to someone, yeah, or if I would have said to the person in the waiting room at my wife's appointment, it could have come off demeaning. Mm. It could have come off um, belittling and. That's not the purpose it's never of sharing, good. No. Right, sharing information. So I listened, and I kind of roundabout said, well, you know what? What I've been really impressed with is just how spot on they are with this, you know, this breast cancer treatment. You know, <laughs> <laughs> How did they come to that? <laughs> Who are those guys? And, and, and I'm, I'm like, all the side effects that they said my wife would experience, I mean, Wow. You know, they know, you know, they said she'll feel worse after a chemo treatment, but the closer it gets to the next treatment, she'll feel better. I just love the fact. So guess what? We started talking about that without me actually making the connection for them. Yeah. And, 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 and that's really when people can make it for themselves, 
that's a wonderful thing. And right. she left the conversation, Dr. Drew, by saying, it was nice talking with you. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, you know, you're, you're, I, I like it. I, I've got, I have to really, it, it takes a discipline, by, by the way, to, to, um, in, to, to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? To validate a point of view that's like, hmm, <laughs> well, I'm not sure. Well not, not, yeah. well, well, not the whole point of view. No, I get it. I get it. Some specifics. Well, thing, thing, yeah, yeah, things within it. I can, I, can, I can see how you arrive there. Yeah. I, and Dr. Drew, I've spoken. I don't know if I've told you this. Yeah. Um, so the, the Sons of the Confederacy called my office about 20 years ago. And um, someone answered the phone and they said, you know, we want Dr. Brown to come and talk, talk about diversity. And then they're taking the inquiry, and then they say they're the sons of the Confederacy. So the person that answered the phone says, well, do you know who you called? <laughs> and, they said, and they said, of course, we want Dr. Brown. And they said, the problem is, is we don't want any diversity, and we want to talk to him about that. Oh, wow. So ev- everyone in my office, Dr. Drew, did not want me to take this engagement in Pulaski, Tennessee. <laughs> they did not want me to go. And then I said, hold it. You know, and I'm an educator, the dean at the university, and I'm saying, how dare I tell you to get out of your comfort zone and out of your box if I don't? Yeah. And and I and do. And by the way, often, if there were a group you'd want to persuade or at least move, this would be the group you'd want to move, right? Exactly. Yeah. So so no one wanted me to go. I, I eventually went, and they didn't want me to go by myself. So my thing was, hey, you you guys know where I'm going to be. I get there, Doctor Drew, and it wasn't. Uh, like one of my big seminars or even a small one. It was in a coffee shop. That's where they wanted to meet me. Wow. In a coffee shop. Wow. Over, over coffee and tea. Huh. So I, honestly, I felt at home. You know, when I got in trouble in the inner city, I used to have to go stay with my grandfather on the farm. So that's the way he did business. That's the way he felt like he would know someone, not by what you said, but once he sat down with you and drank a tea or coffee. So I, we sat and we talked. Now, when I say we talked, I basically listened. I listened. And they were saying all the things that you have alluded to today. They feel like they're being blamed. My flag doesn't mean this to me, even though it may mean this to someone else. And, and I listened. And then afterwards, I said, well, you do realize that there are groups that feel this way. And they didn't say you did it. What they're saying is that's what it represents to me from a historical perspective. This was passed to you. Dr. Drew, that one engagement led, led to two more. Mm. So, and, and that was kind of the start for me. When there are places I go, I told you that I'm the only person of color. And, and when I get there, um, you know, I have a huge duty to educate. But I also have a huge duty to listen. And that's why I think I'm successful at what I do. I mean, this was Frederick Douglass's thing, right? If you really read his biographies, he would go in these places, and, and it, w- it got dangerous for him, man. It, got, it did not go well in <laughs> places. But this was what he did. And, and, exactly. And you, and, but to be fair, you have to have the skill that you have and that he had to deliver once you've listened <laughs> you have to you have to have something <laughs> oh, in your yeah. quiver uh to, to bring to the to the table and so it says a lot about you you know yeah. and, and did you did you move those guys at all that's pull the curtain yeah. back tell us I, get, get us the end I, of the story here well well the, the end of the story was it became an event 
for that area in Pulaski, Tennessee, an event, a collaborative event between the schools, between like local community agencies, their faith community. And I was able to say for the last event that I was actually contacted and initially brought here by the Sons of the Confederacy. And I talked about it. And people were just like, and I got to say, Dr. Drew, there were people who got up and left. It, it, what, which, who, who, what kind of person left? Well, um, there were, they were white and black people who left after I said who actually sponsored my very first trip there. Huh. Because, because once you get that in your brain, you truly have to challenge it. And it takes more than just reading something. Yeah. It, it takes an, an experience. It takes contact. meeting someone. Contact. This is back to us in contact again. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. So, yeah, and I think I go to places like that more often than not. I mean, at least they said who they were. But I go to other places that, you know, I listen to other speakers prior to my, uh, you know, prior to going to the lectern. And I'm thinking, okay, okay. And I'll see, you know, I want to move the pen, you know, I want to move the needle. And I'll move the needle, not by blaming. Sometimes I have to talk more about history than others. Mm. But when you talk about history, everybody realizes, you know, there's nobody in this room that's been around, you know, 300 years. So they realize that you're not necessarily talking about them. You may be talking about their relatives or associates, but but I'm not talking about anyone directly in this room. Are are there other people or types or profiles that that don't want to hear what you have to say or that particularly can't 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 let the emotion settle and start to listen? Definitely. I think when you have where the hate, hate is, is one thing. And I, and I think I've moved the needle for people that hate. Hate, hate is really kind of apathy. Mm. They don't feel like anybody cares about them. So they portray that they don't care about anyone else. Yeah. How deeply that runs is the issue. When hate is on the or borderlines violence, then that becomes an issue for me. Um, I was in Oregon, and the hate was borderline violence. Also, um, Oregon. I was also recently Massachusetts. I love Massachusetts, so it's not saying that it was one place in the mountains of Massachusetts. Where when I showed up, I was told that the people were coming to uh, riot and 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 like boycott and do all these other things because I was coming because a black man was invited to talk to their white children. And that was the issue. And that was actually the issue that was given to me was told to me by the superintendent. How, how long ago was, was also, how long ago was yeah. that? How long ago? Approximately. A couple months. <laughs> oh, a couple months ago. God, that's so it, it, it talk about perspective problems. It's hard for me to believe that it's just crazy. Dr. Drew, it wouldn't be if you saw where we were. Remember contact theory again. Yeah. We may have, we may have to write about this, uh. but they were in the mountains, Dr. Drew, so far up in the mountains. They didn't have to come down from the mountains for anything. Mm. Everything was, you know, you, you eat on the mountain. They had a little mall on the mountain. So they were way up. And 
you know, so they were okay with that. There were some people that were just okay with that. Just leave our community alone. We're good. Mm. But then mm. I was invited and lo and behold, it, it became a huge issue. Uh, my team, um, we had never experienced anything like that. And it didn't end once I left. It, it uh, continued. <laughs> did it did you get anything done? Oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think, I think that the, 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 the young people understood that tour, the tour was called the one love tour. Um, but again, Dr. Drew, I have a, I have colleagues in a place right here in Texas or right down the street, so to speak <laughs> in a place called South Lake, Texas, where very similar things are happening to them where there's a small group of people who are saying, we don't need diversity, equity, or an inclusion training. Leave us alone. We're wealthy. We're healthy. Uh, take this stuff other places. Is, uh, is there more hate around now these days? I don't think it's like more hate around. I think more hate is actually uh, exhibited. I think people have been carrying those backpacks for years. But again, hate is strangely seductive. So it's going to you know, it, it, I mean, I mean, it's going to attach to whatever movement will allow them to get it out. In a, and, and this is a hard word for me to say with hate, but in a respectable way, not in a unlawful way. Mm-hmm. So the people that are jumping on the bandwagon with this anti-racism training is saying that, you know, it's, it's promoting hate in and of itself without listening and understanding. These are people I believe that, if you got to know them, um, I think they would really be good human beings, but good human beings with tremendous backpacks, unresolved backpacks. Is it that, or is it again, back to my construct about fear that they're, you know, there's just panic porn on TV all the time and people are feel like they're threatened constantly, whether it's, you know, somebody rioting or a coronavirus, whatever it is. I, I wonder if these same people would react the same in a much more dispassionate, like if they just came upon you coming as a speaker without all the spin that's going on these days. Well, I, I think fear plays a big part of it. In fact, there's a, a professor and doctor, his name is uh, Dr. Jawanza Kunjutu, and he talks about fear uh, in other races as it pertains to black people and brown people as if what's been done to us historically will at some point be reciprocated. Mm-hmm. So in essence, he's saying, or so there was slavery yeah. of black people in America. There was brutality and you know, the list goes on. So there's an ideology that people that he discusses of, the fear of being in that position. Oh, I see. At the at the feet of black people. Right. So, so like almost the equivalent of like the where the Southerners used to worry about slave uprisings and things like that. It's the same phenomenon. That's it. Kind of, yeah. That's it. So yeah. I'm going to buy guns. Yeah. I'm going to yeah, buy yeah. ammunition. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to do everything in my power not. Oh, to be, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Again, that needs you need to examine that if that's in your head. You take a right. good look at that. And I would imagine if somebody had that in their head, they would not be aware of it. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe sort of, again, just kind of roiling around. If you bring it in the front, it's like, huh, really? You want to 
feel like that? <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and, and you do exercises with people that aren't necessarily connected to the, the, the more sensitive topics. I tell people about bias this way, implicit bias. I said, if I said I have a friend that has breast cancer, what reaction do you get? And they go, oh, Sympathy, man. Yeah. If I say I have a friend that has HIV and AIDS, what reaction would you get? I me? think sympathy, I think. I, I hope. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. If, if I told you I have a friend that's addicted to crack cocaine. So, and I, and I continue to go mm. to kind of let, and they don't answer. Yeah. This is just for you to think about. But they know if their opinions change. The biases creep they, in. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. so I, I, I do that first. Yeah. And, and then I show them how the brain works without talking about it either at first. That's good. I'll tell them like that. the brain's always looking for places to put things. Dig it. And they don't necessarily get that. So I say, how many of you ever been in a car accident? Maybe the whole audience raises their hand. And I say, how many of you remember parts of that accident appearing to happen in slow motion? Mm. Didn't happen in slow motion, but it appeared to. Mm -hmm. That's the brain flipping through its Rolodex saying, hey, mm -hmm. We've, we've never done this before. I don't have a space for this. So when you get people to understand neuroscience and how the brain works, again, you, you're not necessarily blaming them. This is what everybody's brains do. The issue is we don't do a good enough job in our society of protecting our mouths from our brains. And, and, and when I say that, I totally agree. How many, yeah. How many of us would have any friends if we said everything that we thought? Right. Right. How many of us would be married? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, right. that, that's the kind of thing. So when you when you can explain it in terms that don't have as much emotion attached to it, I believe you can get a little bit more logical thinking and then move people gently. If uh, anybody's interested in the cognitive biases, I did two podcasts with a cognitive scientist named Gleb Sapersky. I don't know if you can find that, Gary. Recently, they're within the last four months or so. Gleb, his name is S-T-S-I-B-U-R-S-K-Y, um, where we go in, we break down all the different cognitive biases and how they manifest and stuff. So it's it's, it's, it's a very pertinent topic. Which one? Say it again. 451 and 468 episodes. Um, Dr. Brown, I've got to wrap this thing up. As you know, I could sit and chat to you, and we would – We'd solve the world's problems, you and I, if we could just sit here and talk long enough. So that just means we need to keep talking. And um, I would, I'd be it's like, always I'd like to do that. fun and a privilege to talk to you. And uh, I'm going to look for more opportunities for us to be doing stuff uh, in public because I, I just think that these dispassion arguments, discussions, just got you got to go. You got to go wherever it, this information needs to go. You know, uh, people are very fearful and uptight, and they and we get defensive, and it, it, you, we can't allow that. We have to have, you know, and, and we, we kind of know what we're talking about, too, which helps, too. <laughs> so certainly you do. Um, again, it's at Doc Speaks, at Adolph Brown. It's uh, the Masterclass. It's at, at, and for Masterclass, you just look up Masterclass? Actually, uh, I'm on Patreon. Patreon. Fostering uh -huh. Empathy, No Place for Hate. Is that the Patreon page? Yeah, uh, Patreon is actually Doc Speaks. Patreon forward slash Doc Speaks. Okay. That um, that tour you're looking at, that's a, a tour that we're doing nationwide, and it's myself and a few others. Uh, probably one of the most diverse groups that we can put in front of young people today, and that can be found at DocSpeaks.com. Great, Dr. Adolph Brown. Thank you so much. 
Thanks, Dr. Drew. See you soon. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. Only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. Hey, movie lovers, who needs a theater when you have Pluto TV? Grab your popcorn and your streaming device because free movies are here. Pluto TV is your home for movies. Great movies are playing anytime in over 20 exclusive movie channels of action, horror, rom-coms, and more. Watch hits like Saving Private Ryan, Pretty in Pink, and Charlie's Angels all for free. No signups, no fees, no contracts, ever. Download the free Pluto TV app on any device.